Well, it looks like you all hated me so much that you've given me this award for it. That it can be about the performance and not the politics. This moment is so much bigger than me. And I can't deny the fact that you like me right now. You like me. And thank all of you who voted for me and all of you who didn't, please excuse me. I deserve this. Thank you. And welcome back to this week's episode of Academy Queens. I will have the soft-boiled egg and spinach, please. Joey Gentile. And I'm a Greenwich Village phony. I'm Brandon Stanwyck. And this is Academy Queens, your LGBT guide to the Oscars per decade per category, and this is 2015. What a goddamn year. Yeah, much better on the whole, I would say, than uh, last year. Oh, you want to feel something better on the whole? Sorry, I had to. Um, yeah, although it is a very controversial year. A little bit. A little bit. The supporting category is going to be the first time we have uh, probably a very interesting winner from the both of us. Mm, possibly. 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 We shall see. We shall see. Um, who do you think I'm going with? Um, supporting, I'm thinking... Maybe Rachel McAdams for Spotlight, uh, Charlotte Rampling for 45 Years in Lead. I also think you're going to go with Charlotte Rampling for 45 Years in Lead. However, supporting, I think you're going to go with Kate Winslet for Steve Jobs. Okay. So, um, let's let's see what we've got. Should we just go right in? I feel like we just totally sure. just diving right in this bitch. Okay. All right. For your Supporting Actress Ladies of 2015, your nominees were... Jennifer Jason Lee, The Hateful Eight. Rudy Mara, Carol. Rachel McAdams, Spotlight. Alicia Vikander, The Danish Girl. Okay, let's start off with Kate Winslet as Joanna Hoffman in Steve Jobs. This is her seventh of seven nominations going to Oscar night. She was kind of a frontrunner for this. Golden Globe win for Best Supporting. Should have been Jane Fonda for youth, just saying. Uh, BAFTA win for Supporting. Critics' Choice nomination for Supporting. And SAG for Supporting. In Steve Jobs, again, Kate plays Joanna, who is Steve Jobs' right-hand, or Joanna, who is Steve Jobs' right-hand woman. Um, the only one to be able to work with him all these years, pretty much be the neck to his head, like really push him in any way he wants. And she also doesn't take a shit. So Brandon, what do you think about Kate Winslet as Joanna and Steve Jobs? I actually really like her in this film. Um, I think she uh, tackles the material really well. Um, Aaron Sorkin, you know, is a person who tends to overwrite in a way or write at such a heightened level that it takes, you know, some pretty serious uh, seasoned actors to really sink their teeth into it and make it sound natural coming from that character, although still stylized considering that's, uh, you know, Sorkin's way. And I think Kate Winslet really works well uh, within that realm. 
she goes toe to toe with Michael Fassbender pretty much in every one of her scenes. And um, I think she handles it really well. Uh, he is a personality that tends to dominate in this film, uh, given, you know, he is the titular uh, role and this is, you know, his life story and he's a big pop culture, uh, public figure sort of thing. Um, but she does a very admirable job of sort of a uh, keeping him in his place in her own way, uh, checking him uh, when it's needed. Um, and she doesn't really falter all that much. Um, it's clear at different points that he is, I guess you could say, on a higher level than her um, in the company, financially, uh, class-wise. And yet at the same time, they have um, a bit of an equality when it comes to their respect for one another. Um, he uh, doesn't mind, I think, uh, when she steps in. Uh, it's kind of her job. And um, even when they disagree, even when they're going at it, there's still a mutual respect there. And um, Kate Winslet is able to handle those scenes in such a way where it doesn't feel like they're battling, per se. It feels, in a way, sometimes like they're siblings, sometimes like they're married, sometimes like they're best friends. Um, it's a very unique um, employer-employee situation. And uh, you can see why uh, she remained his uh, right hand for, what, 20 years, I think is how long this movie takes place um, over. Uh, but yeah, I think Kate Winslet is doing a pretty uh, admirable job here uh, in Steve Jobs. Um, yeah, I am very surprised that I liked this, if that makes any sense. Um, I'm going to be straightforward. I think the Ashton Kutcher Jobs movie is a lot more entertaining than this movie. Um, I don't even think the writing of Aaron Sorkin can save this one for me. And I think that Kutcher is better as Steve Jobs than Michael Fassbender. But don't let that like be like, oh, you know, when we get to next season where you think I'm going to put him. Um, I, uh, I like this. Um, I think she's the best thing about this movie. Uh, she's the most entertaining thing about this movie. I like a woman who doesn't take shit and will stand her ground. Um, I am, I, but it's weird too with this whole lineup as a whole. Like I was surprised that she was one of two frontrunners for this award. This just out of everything we've seen Kate Winslet do just seems very, I don't know, left field. And I don't know if I like that or hate that. But um, as the performance though, I think it's really good. Uh, like I said, it's the most entertaining thing from her. So I don't think I have like really any negatives to say despite my tone. <laughs> Yeah, I don't really either. Um, I also, I'm fine with her accent work here. Um, how do you feel about her accent? Well, it's funny you mentioned that because I was going to actually say that for this question, so I'm just going to bring it in. Ebert's Thumb wants to know, how many accents did you count in Winslet's performance? Which I think is hilarious because I hear three. I think the accent is where she falls in the weakest because her um, her. English accent slipping in, this Eastern European accent is slipping in, and then of course her American accent is slipping in. So I, I, despite me saying I don't have any like negatives to feel on this performance, I think if I were to have one, that's where it is. Um, I'm fine with it. So people who are in this country for a long time or people that are American and go to another country and spend time there, accents are pretty fluid and you come to speak a little bit differently 
um, you know, I know some people who are from overseas who've come here and there's certain words they say where they have an American inflection and uh, on top of their natural accent. And I think things sort of come and go. I would imagine it works the same way in the opposite direction. Uh, Joe, Johanna or Johanna, Johanna, however you say it, uh, she's been here for a few decades. So I can understand why that mixture of um, accents is kind of happening. So I forgive it a little bit. Uh, maybe I'm, you know, coming to my own conclusions and overthinking it, but I can see how that could be a conscious choice as an actor. I could see what you're saying. I, you know, I, I see what you're saying for sure. I don't know. I hear three, but you also yeah. make a point. I mean, there's, um, even being here in Maryland, there's, um, I can't replicate it consciously, but there's certain Marylanders have a weird way of saying their vowels. Um, maybe if I come up, maybe if I find myself doing it because I've seemed to have adopted it using certain words down here. And, um, I've only been here a year and, uh, for some reason the Maryland accent has snuck its way onto my tongue. Um, but it's really weird how that works. Uh, accents, I don't think are as, um, as consistent in real life as a, people watching movies seem to think they are. Also a good point. Not going to argue. All right. Uh, let us move on to a controversial one in this category. Let us go to Rooney Mara as Therese Belafit in Carol. This is her second of two nominations. Um, Golden Globes has her in lead actress category drama as does the Spirit Awards. She's nominated for supporting in, uh, or at BAFTA, at Critics' Choice, and SAG, despite having more screen time than Kate Blanchett, which I'm sure we'll get to in a moment anyway. Um, in Carol, again, Rooney plays Therese, who is a woman who in the 1950s is figuring out her sexuality and falling in love with a woman and out of love with a man and dealing with the societal norms and being extremely, um, quote unquote, new to this world. Uh, Brandon, what do we think? Um, so I'm just going to put it out uh, right up front. She is definitely in the wrong category here. I don't think that's breaking news in any way. This is a pretty common thought among um, Oscars folk. Uh, this is, you know, a movie with two leads and um, Rooney Mara should definitely be, you know, in the other category if she uh, is to be nominated. Uh, but she is doing some pretty marvelous uh, work here in Carol. I think she's uh, pretty stunning. I really dig this uh, almost stoic performance that she's giving. It seems um, very contained and uh, I can see how some people would refer to it as stunted, but I don't think that's quite it. I think she's um, struck at times, and uh, she's she's an artistic person. She's um, an aspiring photographer uh, working as a sales clerk. Uh, she seems to be a pretty introverted person um, in a, a role uh, that demands, you know, a lot of person-to-person um, -person interaction. And uh, when she finds herself obsessed with something, she... Uh, really zeroes in on it. And I think there's a lot going on in this character's mind, a lot more than might initially meet the eye. 
Um, and when she does, you know, develop her bond with Carol, I like the subtle changes that we see in Therese over time. Like there's a scene where they're um, getting coffee or lunch and Therese very subtly starts adopting some of Carol's mannerisms very slightly. It's not super obvious right away, but like the way she'll hold her cigarette, position her face, it's, um, it's something that I think people do when they're infatuated with someone, you know, when they're attracted and they want to, uh, they want them to think similarly back, you know, try to mirror them. Uh, I think Therese finds herself doing that unconsciously, but uh, Rooney Mara as the performer is doing it purposefully with intent, but she has to find a way to make it so that Therese doesn't know that she's doing it, or at least that's what I gather while watching it. Uh, this is also a really heartbreaking performance at times, like in the end when Carol finds herself in a, in a difficult situation and has to pretty much abandon Therese. Um, that revelation is um, pretty tragic. And I really feel for Rooney Mara in those moments. And uh, I think this is a fabulous little performance um, that definitely should be in the other category. You know, I was really upset and chagrined by the studio's greed and corruption. I mean, Rooney Moore, she won Best Actress in Cannes. And there are, th there are three people, three people are stars in leading lady roles. Uh, they are the female lead and the star. So why are they in supporting category? Thank you for letting me do the Diane Ladd impression because I really thought you might have been doing it. Um, so thank you for that. Diane Ladd, shout out. Goddess for that call out. Um, yeah, Rooney is horribly wrong in this category here. Um, definitely co-leads. And there's even possibly an argument because of the screen time that Kate Blanchett should have been in this category. I don't personally think so, but I've heard people say it. Um, Rooney is... Brandon, do you know who Rooney actually now reminds me of a little bit? Is you. Hmm. Now, I didn't, I didn't know you when you were finding yourself and before you had come out. I mean, we, obviously I met you after. But, like, I feel like this almost might have been a process of, like, your coming out story. Is that wrong to assume? I don't think so. Um... I don't think I consciously made that thought while watching it, but I think there is some truth to that. I think, well, in this film, we're seeing two women at different stages of their sexuality, um, two different stages of their life. And Rooney Mara, you know, is someone in her 20s who is just starting to really explore this queer side of herself and trying to figure herself out um, with someone who's been you know, not necessarily out because of the period and her station in life, but um, with someone who's a little bit more familiar with um, that side of herself. So I, I could see how, yeah, I think I, in a way, did sort of relate to this character in that regard. Yeah, I mean, it's a beautiful portrayal, and I'm really, really sad. I'm not going to lie. She would be my pick this year. She was actually a supporting actress. I mean, I'm just going to say that up front. Um, Rooney is two for two or 2-0 with good nominations here. Um, this is beautiful. This is heartbreaking. This is this makes you cry. This makes you understand more. This makes you really look at yourself even. 
Um, and by the way, people who don't know you, people, he's not actually like that. Like he is, Brandon is one of the shadiest and loudest people you'll actually ever meet. You just have to like know him and it's the best. It's my favorite. Um, now back to Rooney. Um, this is just, I, I, I don't think I have enough adjectives of good things to say. And I don't think I have enough adjectives of how much I love this performance. This is just brilliant on every level. Um, it's just such a shame that only the Globes, I mean, the Spirits too, but the big one, the Globes, were the only one to do the right thing. Only one. Makes me really sad because she is deserving of a win here for sure. Yeah, I'd say so. It's a, it's a pretty great performance, uh, but not one that necessarily, you know, announces itself as a great performance. We do have questions with her, but it also involves another actress in this category. So are you cool with just kind of a... Sure. Moving forward then? Mm-hmm. All right. Next up, we have Jay- Jennifer Jason Lee as Daisy Domergue in The Hateful Eight. This is her sole nomination thus far. Um, going into Oscar, she has a Golden Globe nomination for supporting and Critics' Choice for supporting, but wins at National Board of Review for supporting actress. In The Hateful Eight, again, Jennifer plays Daisy, who's just an awful fucking person. She's... Uh, fucking murderer she she's she robs she she's racist she's just everything that is could be wrong in a person is her and it's tells a story about how she's captive and then tries to break free and her brother's gang gets uh into it brandon let's talk jennifer jason lee in the hateful eight uh jennifer jason lee seems to be having a blast uh playing this role and it gives her, you know, so many chances to be big and loud and ridiculous and outrageous. And I could see how she probably had a lot of fun uh, playing this role. Um, sometimes it's a little bit too much for me, uh, just as a personal note. Uh, but again, that's the nature of the character. I'm not going to hold that against Jennifer Jason Lee. This isn't exactly a character who screams subtlety. Um, she's kind of brash by design, and I think Jennifer Jason Lee does it pretty well. Um, it's uh, it's interesting in the way that it's told. It's very you know stagey in a way that I think kind of works, and I think that helps uh, Jennifer Jason Lee build this character. It's not um, entirely linear due to you know the flashbacks that occasionally spring up and all that. But I would have to imagine that they filmed it mostly in order, I would have to think. Um, So that right there gives an actor an advantage um, because, you know, most movies are not shot in order. There's all kinds of reasons for why they shoot in whatever order they makes most sense for them. Um, Usually it has to do with actor availability or location issue if they're shooting on location. But this one, I I would imagine that was a soundstage. And... um, if they shot it in order, as I suspect, chronologically, you know, it helps an actor build the character over time. And I'm sure Jennifer Jason Lee really benefited from that. Uh, She's actually really entertaining in this movie, Um, even if it's sometimes a little, you know, a little extra for me. um, She's always doing something that catches my eye. And um, I think she's really capitalizing upon every opportunity that Quentin Tarantino 
is giving her to um, steal the spotlight and upstage in any way she can. And this is a character in a film where I think that's actually warranted. I don't think um, hogging the spotlight is in any way a bad thing in this film. So I commend Jennifer Jason Lee for that, even if it's not exactly a performance that matches my personal taste. So this is one of those performances that is so much fun to hate. Um, it it really is like despicable about like this character. And the fact that we can still love Jennifer Jason Lee as an actress after seeing this, I think is like a great testament to her for her talent. Um, I really like this. I, I think this is a great nomination. The Hateful Eight gets a lot of shit. Uh, I think it's one of Tarantino's best films. Um, I actually remember I saw it on the 18 millimeter. I think it was 18 millimeter. I don't fucking know. The, the Roadshow uh, on Christmas of 2015, uh, which was a great experience. And I own this on Blu-ray. I do enjoy watching this movie, mainly because, too, I think this would make a fascinating stage play. Like, I want mm-hmm. this to be a stage play so badly because I think it would work 100%. Um, and you got to think, this is an ensemble that is all men. And then minus the minor characters of like Zoe Bell and um, Minnie's Haberdashery, which by the way, was originally written with Missy Upham's character from Django. Her character in that was Minnie who owned a store. And when they, um, side piece and trivia for everybody, um, when they cut Misty out of Django, she was supposed to reprise that role for Hateful Eight. Oh, okay. I didn't know she was in Django technically. Yeah, she was in Django, but her character was cut. So hmm. Tarantino promised her for the next one, they'd put Minnie, Minnie back into it, and this was supposed to be Misty Upham in the that role. So, oh, neat. Yeah, a little a little sad, but fun fact. So um, anyway, back to Jennifer. Uh, yeah, I think this is just, you know, she, she's carrying her all in this cast, this beautiful, horribly beautiful ensemble of actors. Um you know, she's fucking wicked. There, I mean, there is a point in this movie where you think Daisy Domergue is going to win. And then she doesn't. Um, and you, despite her being so deliciously awful, like you, you, you kind of root for her at that, that, at that point. But the moment, the moment she gets shot, you know it's over. You know it's done. Like, there's no way for her to get out. Um, I think this is a great nomination. I'm very surprised that this is her only nomination um, you know, we've talked about her briefly before back in 95 and we talked about Georgia and, um, I'm just glad that we finally get to talk about her because she is great here. Yeah, she definitely should have been nominated for Georgia. She's fantastic in that. Uh, Jennifer Jason Lee is one of those like character actors who's really been at it for decades and doesn't mm-hmm. seem to get the credit she deserves. She pops up in all kinds of things. And, um, she's one of those people who like non- movie people see her and they recognize her but they can't place her because she's such a chameleon in that way like she's been in dozens of movies that you've seen but uh whether you know who she is or not you've seen her in something and uh it's great that she finally you know gets the recognition that she's uh been deserving for a while with the academy but it definitely should not have been the first one well we actually have a question from queer nancy pelosi uh hey girl uh, despite typically writing fascinating female characters, an example, Jackie Brown, Kill Bill, and Glorious Bastards, this was the first time since Pulp Fiction that one of Tarantino's actresses received Academy attention. 
Why do you think this is? They seem to love his male characters, but not so much the female characters. Hmm. Yeah, I'm not sure what uh, the deal with that is, but um, I would be very okay with a Pam Greer nomination. I think she's fantastic. Yes, Jackie Brown. yes, yes. <laughs> um, since, you know, the person writing the question, he's that as an example. Um, I'm not sure what the reason for that is. I also think Uma Thurman's great in Kill Bill. Um, I don't know. Uh, I guess misogyny. Let's let's call it that. I mean, I remember when this had come out because at the time I would I would I followed Grace Randolph's uh, YouTube page, and she does this thing at Oscar season like who will win and who should win. And I remember even then watching that watching this episode, and she goes, "Who the two actresses who have the biggest chance to win this are Alicia Vikander and Jennifer Jason Leigh." And I remember snickering and being like, "Bitch, since when? The Academy does not reward anyone who's not a man in Tarantino films." Like. The tr sad truth about this is that she never had a chance to win this. If this nomination was, unfortunately, that old saying, the nomination is the win. Um, but yeah, I mean, Jackie Brown is a great example of Pam Greer. I know I side more with um, Diane Kruger and Inglorious Bastards compared to Melanie Laurent, which I think that was your choice, right? Yeah. So it's like, I mean, it, we have, as fans, have our choices. But it's, it is a fascinating question. What is it about Tarantino's women that just don't get the respect? Well, maybe it's because so many of them are um, messy and um, they tend to be a little bit villainous at times. And I know there's this theory that some people have that the Academy is more forgiving of villainous men than villainous women as a whole. There are, of course, you know, exceptions that don't necessarily prove anything, but um, there seems to be more of a willingness to reward bad men than bad women um i wonder if that's a factor here considering tarantino's uh ladies tend to be pretty they can be pretty awful um when he writes them that way well it's, it's an interesting contrast too because if you think of someone like woody allen woody allen's men really don't win oscars i think michael Caine is the only one right that i can think of offhand yeah i mean it's woody's women and then it's tarantino it's quentin's men so it's very interesting how the Academy picks their favorites when it comes to um, who wins and who doesn't. Yeah. Let's get to Rachel McAdams as Sasha Pfeiffer in Spotlight. This is her sole nomination so far. She doesn't really have anything going into this. This was kind of a surprise nominee. Um, Critics' Choice nominated for supporting, uh, and so did SAG, but she wins the SAG for Cass. Now, in Spotlight, again, Rachel plays Sasha, uh, seems to be a theme here with the last two nominees. Um, ensemble of men and the one woman. Uh, good for them for standing out. Seriously, good job. Um, so in the film, she plays one of the reporters of the Boston Globe who uh, goes on a mission to interview the abuse and uh, the sexual abuse survivors uh, from the Catholic Church. I'm really interested to talk about Spotlight here, so let's let's dive right in. So um, I remember being pretty surprised uh, by her nomination for this, um, not only due to precursors, but when I first saw the movie, um, it didn't strike me as, you know, an Oscar type of role, the type of role that gets nominated. And I suppose that's still kind of true. It's a very um, small, uh, understated kind of role. It's a very true-to-life sort of role. It's... Um, Spotlight as a film is not super sensational. 
in the way that it's told, despite the subject at the core of it, um, it's told in a pretty journalistic sort of way. Um, It has its moments uh, to remind you that it's a dramatic film. But for the most part, I would say the objective was to remain as objective as possible in its storytelling. That seems to be the artistic choice taken. And I think that translates to Rachel McAdams. Um, This character feels very realistic to me. Um, Her reporter is very dogged but not in a super like juicy sort of way. Um, You can tell this is a person who went into this line of work trying to make a difference or believing that she would, but um, not in the sort of way that her ego steps in. Um, Like she's not trying to be a, a nightly news anchor. She's simply just trying to break the stories responsibly and make positive change in the world. And I think Rachel McAdams is very honest in her portrayal. And um, I think this is one of those nominations that also kind of gets scoffed at sometimes because people watch it and they think, well, where's the Oscar? But I think it matches the movie. And if she had uh, been big and loud and whatnot, I don't think it would have matched the movie. And perhaps it would have... um, negatively affected the film as a whole. So I think uh, she did what she needed to do and she did it well and she crafted a very believable three-dimensional person, in my opinion. So a lot of people think that McAdams should have at least two nominations, the first being Mean Girls. I don't think her role in Mean Girls is very Oscar-worthy. What do you think about that? I don't either. I think she's great in it, but I'm not going to nominate it. Yeah, okay, so we're on the same page there. So I I was very actually, I love that she's an Oscar nominee, and I remember seeing a spotlight in the theater, and I wasn't really, like, impressed by it when it first came out. But I've actually rewatched it twice, once being, to get ready for this, but once was on um, about four years ago, so a year after it came out. Um, And I was a lot more intrigued and impressed by it later on. So I I remember when this won Best Picture, I was like, what? And I still might be like a little, what? But just not like, what, what? Um, McAdams, when this happened, though, I was very confused by this nomination. I was like, what is this wasted space? And then again, it took until like rewatching it to where she's actually doing some pretty good work here. Now, here's a challenge for everybody. Brandon, I'm interested to see if you caught on to this, too. Anyone who goes back to watch Spotlight from here on out, listen to every time Rachel McAdams talks. Every line she has is upspeak. It's a question. I think there's maybe Mm. one scene in the movie where she isn't speaking in upspeak, and that's when her grandmother asks for the glass of water, and she says, sure, Grandma. Every line in this movie, she's asking a question. So... From a writing aspect, it really doesn't give her anything to do. Um, It's interesting to me. Did you notice that when you watched it? No, I didn't notice that. But if I ever get around to rewatching Spotlight, I'll definitely keep that in mind. Um, It's definitely if that's true, then that's definitely a choice. Um, I mean, considering that she is, in a sense, an investigator, um, it would make sense. 
in terms of giving her something to do, I would say if that was a choice, then that was giving her something to do because her the nature of her character is to probe and to find the truth and um, report upon it. So that's a very interesting um, observation. Thank you. You can call me Harriet the Fag. Um, so getting, getting back to that, um, yeah, so she, you know, her, her role is upspeak, um, which can be challenging in the fact of if you're only asking questions, I, I think there's only so many ways you can ask a question, but she does really good work here when it comes to that. Um, I think I really appreciate this more than I did then. Um, I think it is a worthy nomination. Uh, as you know, as the years have progressed, unlike last week when we talked about Emma Stone with Birdman, how years later that's not really like a great nomination that didn't age well. I think this one aged pretty well. It's like the fine wine, you know what I mean? It took time for appreciation for this. I don't think she still uh, she uh, she actually might have stood a chance. So I have this theory that the people who go into with uh, nominations who, with like zero precursors are a lot closer to win than we think. Like at least third place. So she might've had a chance here, but um, I, I, yeah, I like this. I don't have anything negative to say about it other than it's just a lot of upspeak. Um, but yeah, I think this is a great little nomination. Good for her. Yeah. Yeah. If it is a, uh, all questions with her, she at least did it very naturally. So I mean, I didn't really recognize that at the time. So I think that just adds another layer to um, the naturalism of this performance. Yeah. Um, but yeah, anyone who goes to rewatch it, just listen out for it. You'll hear it. All right. Uh, moving on to our winner of this year, we have Alicia Vikander as Gerda in The Danish Girl. This is her sole nomination and win so far. Um, Golden Globes nominated her in the correct category for actress in a drama, lead. Uh, the BAFTAs also nominated her in lead. The Critics' Choice nominated her in supporting, and then she wins at SAG for supporting. So this was a dual race between her and Winslet. Um, in The Danish Girl, again, Elisa plays Gerda, who is the wife to the Eddie Redmayne character, who really accepts essentially who her wife is um, and realizes that she needs love and she needs um, compassion, but at the same time struggles because a direct line from the movie is, I need my husband. So while she is accepting, she also struggles with it. Brandon, let, let's dive into this here. So I know a lot of people who really love this performance, and I think it's fine. Um, I don't quite understand the love for it, but I think uh, Vikander is doing pretty well with it. Um, her Gerda, I think, does struggle a little bit in the beginning. Um, when um, Lily begins the transition. And um, I think it does take some getting used to and some acceptance. Um, her reaction is not, you know, born out of hate necessarily. Uh, it's um, a, an adjustment. And I think she uh, handles it pretty well. And we see that evolution of her feelings toward her spouse. Um, change and you know um alter a little bit over time but i think she's um doing pretty well here uh you know the movie is very um it feels very written to me at times like it was uh designed with these 
dramatic bombshells and these uh, Oscar moments, you know, served up on a platter. And I think uh, Vikander plays into them pretty well. I think she's doing a good job with it. Um, it's just for some reason I don't get the love that a lot of people have for this nomination. Uh, but I think she's okay. Yeah, I don't think she's bad in this at all. Um, you know, of course she's uh, she's in the wrong category by far. She is the fucking lead here. Um, but this is... To win for this is a little odd to me. Um, I, I think the Danish girl as a film is messy, just story-wise. Um not even getting into anything else, but it's like, she's good. She's good. Like, I mean, she's not bad. It, there's just something that isn't clicking with me with this one. Something feels like it's missing. Um, I think that's the only way I can describe this. I kind of, I feel you. I think it has a lot to do with the way the story is told. Um, it, it, I don't know, you know, the screenwriter or anything, but it, it feels like a movie that probably should have been told by different storytellers. It kind of feels like this movie was very Hollywooded, you know, and I wonder if uh, that is a bit of a drawback. Um, but um, I agree she is also in the wrong category here. She's I don't think she's the lead, but she is definitely a lead and um, she should definitely not be in this lineup. Oh, is it? See, it's weird. I actually found her to be more lead than Eddie. It was like the uh, Kate and Rooney thing. Like, there's something about, I don't know, weird, right? I don't know. Um, yeah, this one just feels like it's missing something. But um, uh, we have questions now that actually pertain with Mara and Vikander together. So do you have anything else to add before we get to them? I don't think so. All right. Now, a lot of these questions are the same, but I'm going to ask two of them because they're worded. Out. Well, you'll, you'll, you'll hear it in a second. Okay. Juan Carlos Ohano wants to know if Vikanda and Mara made it lead, A, who would drop out of lead, and B, who would get into supporting? I'm always really bad at these because I don't, I don't know who would get... What? You want me to go first? Sure. So if they drop out of lead, going on, I mean, I hate to say this, but I think Rampling would not have gotten in. Um, yeah, she wouldn't have gotten in. And I honestly don't think that Lawrence would have gotten in either. I think those two would have been sacrificed for Vikander and Mara. Um, supporting, I definitely see at that point Jane Fonda could have gotten in. And honestly, I want to say Vikander would be a double nominee that year for X, for X Machina as well. You know, I I tend to agree with what you're saying. If you're looking on paper at who had the least love going into Oscar nomination morning, it was definitely, you know, Rampling and um, Lawrence in terms of, you know, the precursors and all that whatnot. Um, I think it'd be really cool if Vikander had gotten in for both Uh ex machina and danish girl she seemed to be like the it girl of the year so it'd be really cool if you know the oscars had reflected that so i'd really dig it um i still have not seen youth uh but i know a lot of people rave about fonda in that and you know considering the uh the globes nom and uh she hadn't been up for one in you know since the 80s 
um, I think it would have been a really cool moment. And I could see the Oscars, uh, the Academy, uh, getting behind that. So I, I guess I'll just agree. I would like to point out, too, just to give him a shout out, that that question also was uh, the same from Fifio Film and our good friend Justin Edwards. Um, so that was kind of, you know, all together. Uh, let's see, where's the other one? Where's the other one? Oh, Ian at Koi Salon, uh, could either Mar or Vikander win if they were in lead? For some reason, I don't see either of those performances winning in lead. I, for some reason, I just don't feel it. So let's say, let, let's use that to bounce off of what we said, where Rampling and Lawrence doesn't get in. Now, despite winning the Globe for Lawrence, which we'll get to here shortly, I don't really think she had a chance in hell, so definitely taking those two out. I think it would have been very close. I don't think the candor would have gotten in if she would have gotten in for Ex Machina. I think they would have rewarded her there. Mm -hmm. um, I just want to point that out. That's not my own personal choice. I still think if you're going to put someone in there, it should have been Fonda all the way. But I think the candor wins in supporting. I still am very firm believer that vote splitting isn't a thing. So I actually think Mara could have taken this. But at the same time, the Globes did give it to Larson. You know what? I'm going to stick with it. Mara wins and Vikander wins supporting. Okay. But we'll never know. Mm -hmm. uh, that literally was like eight questions about that. <laughs> Just put into those two. So there we go. Yep. Uh, does that cover supporting? Yes, sir. Okay. Well, your lead actress nominees in 2015 were... Kate Blanchett, Carol. Brie Larson, Brie. Jennifer Lawrence, Joy. Charlotte Bradley, 45 years. Sasha Rowley, Brooklyn. All right, let's start with our winner for the year, Brie Larson, winning for Room. So far, this is her first and only nomination, and you could say she was a bit of a threat going in as she wins the Golden Globe, BAFTA, SAG, Critics' Choice, the Spirit Award, and the National Board of Review. And uh, she's nominated uh, with the Gotham Awards. In Room, Brie Larson plays Ma, also known as Joy, a woman who was kidnapped as a teenager and has been held captive for years, so long that she has uh, mothered a five-year-old child named Jack in the, in the meantime. So uh, how do you feel about Brie Larson in Room? So I talked about this last week when I revisited the theory of everything. Um, the same night I revisited that, I revisited Room. I did a double back-to-back. -back. I seem to do these doubles with like these really heavy movies. I got to stop doing this. Um, I had seen Room at the Capitol when this had come out, and I was really taken by the film. Um, Larson did not really stand out to me at all at that time. Um, Jacob Tremblay, Justice for Tremblay, really should have been nominated in lead actor. Um, I think he is the clear standout here. Um, revisiting it, I kind of feel the same way. Um, when it comes to the women, I think 
definitely Joan Allen is the one who stands out to me. Justice for Joan Allen, too. Um, but, yeah, Larson is fine. I just... Knowing that this came between her and Shailene Woodley, I kind of really wish they went with Woodley because this is... This isn't great. Um, and the fact that this was such a strong win throughout the whole season, I just don't get it. Um, she's fine, but she never has a moment, and she never... Like, Trombe, she, she can't compare with Tromboy's acting here. Um, she's definitely outshined by literally almost everybody but William H. Macy. Um, so, yeah. I, I'm not a fan. I think she's pretty good in Room. Um, I think this is a performance that works throughout the film for me. Um, it's So the first half and the second half are very different, um, you know, considering the setting and, you know, the context of all that. You know, in the first half, when she and Jack are in Room, um, there's a very unique dynamic between the two. And um, she's in a very uh, unique position, being trapped in this very small space for, what, I guess, six years, considering he's five and, you know, the pregnancy and however long she was there before that. Um, so I think it kind of changes her in a way. Um, and this mother-son relationship is so so uh, I, I i've already said unique a couple of times but it's uh it's so different than anything else um and the moments where you know jack is being a kid and um he doesn't know any better and he's acting out and she just you know is trying to mother the best way she can given her lack of resources I kind of feel for it. It's um, it's a very shitty situation. And uh, in the second half, after you know they've escaped from room, and that escape sequence like had me literally on the edge of my seat when I saw this for the first time. Like I was physically Agreed. uncomfortable Agreed. during that escape. Um, she her adjustment to the outside world is actually the part that I prefer. I know a lot of people seem to think the movie like loses steam or something when it takes that shift. And I think that's just because people don't know how to handle shifts. Uh, I think she's really great in those moments um, when she's, you know, trying to get her life back and figure out this world that has evolved so much in just a handful of years that she's been out. And her scenes with Joan Allen are also really great. Um, Ma slash Joy, understandably, is going through some shit, uh, processing a lot of things. And her mother, played by Joan Allen, is trying her best. And I think she feels like she's failing at times. And Joan Allen's given a really beautiful moment where she sort of just snaps and says, like, your life was not the only one that was affected by all this. And I can see why a character like joy would take personal offense to that um you know comparing lives between the person who was actually kidnapped and the person who is still you know out living their life and just coming to terms with the situation both have a gravity of their own um but um it's a very complicated relationship that she has with her mother and with her son uh, it's it's really difficult I don't know why I'm having such trouble finding the words for it because um, it just seems so uncomparable to anything else. I don't know why. 
But uh, I think Brie Larson is really powerful in this movie, and I like seeing the different sides of her and how she adjusts to her circumstances um, as they change over time. And um, we're given some really powerful big moments with her and also some really uh, beautiful smaller moments with her. Um, I really like it. Uh, her, oh, another thing. When she kind of, she kind of goes through this weird, uh, I don't know if postpartum is the right word, but it's like when she and Jack are finally separated for like literally the first time in Jack's life and she like just wants to be alone. Um, for some reason that like really struck me in a weird way. How, and it's completely understandable why she would literally want a break and how somewhere on a subconscious level, Jack is a physical representation of all of the trauma that she just escaped. And that's, you know, of course, in no way his fault, but that's the very complex thing that she's working through in her mind. And um, I, I don't know. I think the second half of the movie has a lot more going on than a lot of people give it credit for. And I seem to be struggling to articulate that. But uh, yeah, I, I think Larson is doing pretty well here. Two, a uh, couple things, uh, actually a few things. Um, I'm glad that you brought up the escape scene because I truly credit that escape scene as to why Lenny Abramson got a director nomination. Um, mm -hmm. It has to be because of that. I mean, that alone was brilliant. Um, number two, I think Larson, though, is also, and we've talked about this before with other people, I think Larson is just one of those actors I just don't click with because I, like, I don't like her as Captain Marvel. I didn't like Captain Marvel in general, but... Um, I don't like her as Captain Marvel. I didn't like her in Scott Pilgrim. I didn't like her in Sleepover. So it's just, she doesn't connect with me. And I try to be a, I don't try to be biased with that, but it's very hard not to, because it's just, I don't have that connection there with her. Um, I want to backtrack really quick though, uh, because I totally forgot to bring something up when I mentioned that Shailene Woodley almost played this role. Uh, really quick, Daisy Domergue. Did you know Michelle Williams was, it was between her and Jennifer Jason Lee for that? Oh, that's weird. Right? Interesting. I would also like to point out, can we talk about how amazing Karen Black would have been as Daisy Domergue? Oh, yeah. That's definitely a, a 1970s Karen Black role. 100%. That's all I got. <laughs> Sorry, I just wanted to bring those up really quick. Yeah. Okay. Next, we have Kate Blanchett nominated for Carol. This is her seventh of seven nominations. Going into this, she doesn't really win anything major. But she is recognized with the Globes, BAFTA, SAG, Critics' Choice, Gotham, Spirit, and the AARP Movies for Grownups Awards. In Carol, Kate Blanchett plays Carol, a socialite um, in a loveless marriage who takes up an affair with a young store clerk and aspiring photographer. So how do you feel about Kate Blanchett and Carol? I love this. I love this so much. Um, this may be my favorite Kate Blanchett nomination. Um, first of all, shout out, I forget who it is, but someone on the interwebs on Twitter, it was a total film gay too. He, he made a, a video of ABBA, but every time they say Waterloo, it's Kate Blanchett, <laughs> when, she's, when she says Waterloo. And I have to find this video and share it. Um, but no, I, I love this. This is, um, like Mara in this film, this is beautiful and brilliant and just um there's nothing bad to say here um she hits every scene she hits every mark you feel every emotion 
Uh, when they make love, you feel that love with them. When she lost, when she's afraid, what is it? Hodge, her husband, is that his name? Something like that. Harge, Hodge, I don't know, some white man in the 50s name. Um, you know, you feel that when she's, or you, you feel you feel that fear and anger. Uh, when she's with Sarah Paulson, you feel the love she still has for her. You feel her trapped. You feel this character. Um, I find it fascinating, which I want to open up to here because you'll go next. Without getting too much into the topic, you know, there's a, lo- a lot of discussion on people when it comes to um, gay actors playing gay roles. But nobody ever says that about Kate and Rooney here that I've heard. So I find it interesting. Is it because the performance is so good? What is it? It fascinates me because this is a role from both of them, a performance that I don't think anyone else could have played. Gay, straight, trans, white, black, purple, doesn't matter. Um, This is fantastic. What do you think? Yeah, I think they're both great. Um, I think they both own these roles and it's hard to imagine anyone else um, in their place. But, you know, I generally, I'd love to see queer actors playing queer characters. Um, I'm not gonna hold that against them as performers, but, in general, I support it. I support uh, gay, lesbian, trans, bi um, actors getting work and being able to tell their own stories and add nuance uh, to characters um, that straight actors, even the best of them, will never quite be able to do, having never actually lived that life. Um, so I support it. Um, but they'd be, it'd be a very different Carolyn Therese, uh, possibly also great. It would just be different. Yeah, heard. Um, but um, when it comes to Kate Blanchett specifically, I think this is uh, a marvelous performance of hers. It's one of my favorites of hers. Um, her her Carol is um, so composed, so in control. Um, she knows her station in life and she owns it. And um, when she's out, she commands basically every room that she's in. Um, whether or not all eyes are on her, the energy is focused on her, uh, which is why I think it's so interesting when we get these public moments between Carol and Therese or Carol and Abby, uh, the Sarah Paulson character, where she cannot be out in the way that someone today could. Um, and she has... It's, it becomes all very subtle and very drawn in. She has these very specific, subtle gestures that she's able to do to send a message to whoever she's talking to and to the audience without ever really drawing attention to, her, to herself um, in order to not out herself uh, because that would, you know, it would terminate her marriage, it would end her status, her relationship with her daughter. Um, would be in question. And um, it's very fascinating watching a character who appears to have so much power and influence uh, suddenly be placed in a place of vulnerability, uh, which I think she finds herself in, but she handles it with such grace um, where you you don't initially even realize it, I feel. It, maybe it comes on a, a rewatch or two. Um, the different sides of Carol that we get in different moments throughout the movie. 
um, the more intimate way she's able to open up to say Therese or Abby that she doesn't do when she's in her, you know, social bubble. But uh, this is also a very deeply troubled character um, with her marriage and the way Harge is trying to control her and jeopardize her custody over um, their daughter and using her, her sexuality against her and her past um, with other women. Uh, it's, and it also kind of goes in this weird unspoken sort of way. Like it's directly, it's directly addressed a couple of times, but it seems to be a known thing that is, um, it's very like off limits to even just address it. Cause this, this, uh, this bubble is just too elegant for that type of conversation. So there's a lot of complexity to this character and the way she moves in different spaces um, that I find super fascinating. So um, this is probably one of my favorite Kate Blanchett performances. Yeah, um, couple things I wanna add. Um, definitely robbed of a Best Picture nomination. There is zero reason why that should have um, not, or that should have not not happened. Also, too, you know what really sticks out to me with this movie is Carter Burwell's score. Like, mm-hmm. it is so beautiful. I forgot who won the score that year. Um, I'll look it up really quick. Uh, but I I listen to Burwell's score for this all the time, mainly when I'm writing. But, like, it is just beautiful. What do you think of it? I think it's a gorgeous score. Um, I'm not exactly a movie score kind of person. Um, for some reason, usually if I'm noticing a score, it's in a bad way. Like, I feel like it's taking me out of the movie. Uh, but this one, I think, really works. I notice it, but um, I think it somehow elevates the film. Um, Hateful Eight won for score, by the way. That was in... in uh, oh, is, yeah. Ennio Mor- Morricone. I, I can't pronounce that. Right. Uh, he would have actually been my runner-up. Sorry, Carter Burwell. <laughs> okay. Um, our next nominee is Jennifer Lawrence, nominated for Joy. This is her fourth of four nominations. Going into this, she wins a Golden Globe for comedy, and she also wins a Teen Choice Award. And she's recognized with the Critics' Choice Award and also a Critics' Choice Award in the comedy category. So um, in Joy, uh, Jennifer Lawrence plays Joy a creative young woman trying to monetize her inventions. So how do you feel about Jennifer Lawrence this year? First of all, why is she in winning categories of comedy when Lily Tomlin and Amy Schumer were right there? Bullshit. Not a comedy, but, you know, gloves are going to globe. Okay, so Joy is not a very good movie. Joy is a very bad movie. Joy's trailer is a, sells you on a movie about a family mob, and Joy is actually about a family mop. Um, the movie's about a fucking mop. Let's just be honest. Um, again, here we have a Jennifer Lawrence performance where she is way too young for. Um, don't buy it for one second. This is not one that works. Um, while she's not bad acting-wise, this movie just doesn't do her any favors. Um, Russell's direction doesn't do her favors. Uh, her surrounding environment of actors don't do her any favors. Um, I know Diane Ladd campaigned hard for supporting here. Um, 
Regina Madsen's great, but like this is just not a good film. Um, I don't understand this win. I don't for Globe. I don't understand this nomination. I think this is just a we love Jennifer Lawrence and we're not going to give it to Amy Schumer or the very deserving Lily Tomlin uh, spot, um, which Tomlin, I think this, this would have been exactly 40 years since her last nomination, which would have been a great narrative. Um, she's really hamming it up here. There's not like a singular moment where you're ever wild with her. Um, she's just Jennifer Lawrence being way too young for a way older role and David O. Russell just giving her a job. What about you? I don't really care for the film either. And um, Jennifer Lawrence seems to be adrift at times. Um, Jennifer Lawrence is a talented actress. Um, she's really good at what she does. And she seems really committed to this part. And I think she owns it as best she can. But I don't think O. Russell is really um, building her up very much as a director. At times, it feels like Lawrence is directing herself. She's just kind of um, going through the motions, and uh, she crafts joy all on her own. Um, I think she's fine in it, but um, the movie doesn't really compel me very much, and Jennifer Lawrence's performance only takes me so far before I find myself wanting more, uh, wanting the movie to go in a different direction or just get interesting. It's... um. It's just okay for me. And I kind of concur. Uh, this is a spot that could have easily gone to a number of people. And I would not be sad that Jennifer Lawrence wasn't nominated uh, for it. Um, she's perfectly fine, but um, does perfect is perfectly fine enough. Um, I don't know. It's, um, it's not my favorite Jennifer Lawrence outing. So we have two questions from her. Or about her. Yeah, we got two questions exactly from Jennifer Lawrence, guys. Uh, we had two questions about her from Breathe and Brittany. Who, who do you think was second place in Best Actress? As of, well, well, actually, we'll skip that part. But And out of Jennifer Lawrence's three nominations, they, I'm, I'm prepared, guys. Uh, out of Jennifer Lawrence's three nominations with David O. Russell, which is your favorite? Um, I honestly don't know. It's probably... I mean, just on a weird level, I still kind of enjoy her in American Hustle. I still, I mean, obviously it's not a right fit for her, but I get some enjoyment out of her in it. Um, I don't really care for Silver Linings as a whole. I don't really care for Joy as a whole. I'd have to say the of the three that I find myself smiling at the most, it's um, unfortunately American Hustle. Yeah, the only one I don't absolutely cringe at is Joy. So I guess that would I, that would be my answer because she is beyond cringeworthy in both Hustle and Playbook. Um, yeah, I guess I have to pick Joy. Yeah, at least the at least the cringe made me react. Yeah. Um, Another question we have, where are you, where are you, where are you? Oh, from Matthew Onslow 14. If Amy Schumer won the Golden Globe instead of Jennifer Lawrence, do you think Amy would be nominated instead of her or J-Law would be nominated anyway? I really do not see the Oscars nominating Amy Schumer. Hmm. 
Okay. <laughs> uh, I don't know, to be honest with you. If anything, I think Amy's best shot was in the screenplay category for Trainwreck. In oh, fact, maybe. I know. I'm thinking about acting. Well, me, same. The question's about acting. However, to answer this question, in a perfect world, Amy Schumer would be a two-time, possibly at least one-time Oscar winner by now for Trainwreck. Um, I remember actually a tweet that Anne Hathaway had taken of her ticket to see Trainwreck, and she was like, she had added Amy Schumer, and she's like, be prepared for an Oscar nomination. Um, so I kind of like wished that it, that had come true. Um you know what? This isn't a perfect world, and this is maybe not a perfect answer. So I'm going to say, yeah, she would have gotten in instead of Jennifer Lawrence. I'm just going to stick with it because I believe. Oh, that's it. Oh, okay. I thought there was more to that sentence. <laughs> I believe, period. So our uh, next lead actress nominee is Charlotte Rampling, nominated for 45 years. This is somehow her first and only nomination. Going into this, she was a bit of a critic's favorite. Uh, she wins the Los Angeles Film Critics, Boston Film Critics, and the London Film Critics, and with the National Society of Film Critics. Uh, and she's also recognized with the Critics' Choice Awards and the AARP Movies for Grown-Ups Awards. In 45 Years, Charlotte Rampling plays Kate Mercer, whose husband of 45 years drops a bit of a bombshell that completely alters their marriage. How do you feel about Charlotte Rampling in 45 years? First of all, I echo that sentiment. I don't know how the fuck this is her only nomination. Um, but Charlotte Rampling is one of those actors that she doesn't need an Oscar. The Oscar needs her. Yeah. I mean, let's be honest. Actually, w um, one thing for the listeners, we had reached out to Charlotte Rampling um, to uh, come on the show. And her agent is the nicest agent I think I've ever dealt with because I'm, I'm, I'm the one who writes out to the agents um, and wished us the best and uh, lots of bright futures ahead for Academy Queen. So thank you, Miss Rampling. Um, with that said, uh, 45 Years is devastating. It is a beautiful heartbreaking, touching movie. Um, like I said, when I pointed out something about Rachel McAdams in uh, Spotlight, everyone, and, I, and again, I'm interested to hear if you notice this, Brandon, when you go back to watch 45 Years, notice that every shot of Charlotte is a wide shot. Every shot. Even, which makes her the only nominee in this list to have a complete performance of wide shots. Um, and I'm going to get to why this is so important in a second. Did you notice that, by the way? Um, I don't think so. Not actively. Yeah. So when you go to actually watch this, even like the shots of her in the bathroom mirror, it's a wide shot because you're looking at her, looking at her reflection, not just her reflection. It's beautiful. It's a great choice. Now, with that said, um, actors act in all, in all sorts of ways. They act verbally, they act mentally, they act physically. Um, but if you think about film, a lot of that acting is from the neck up. When you have to completely embody the character in its fullest, um, in every movement, in every touch, you are doing something brilliant. And I think that is why um, she has this nomination here. I mean, obviously, out of the fact that this is a great performance, but it... Do you know how hard, that's why stage acting is so hard because you're acting with everything. You're acting with your entire body. That's what the audience, audience can see. Do you know how hard that is to translate on film? It's extremely hard. 
every shot she's in, it's her entire body. She's giving everything she's got here. Um, you really feel for this character on every level. This is she acts like you know you've known her for four forty five years. Um, her reaction to her husband having this obsession now with his ex girlfriend whose body was found is heartbreaking. Um, you know, I know some people's uh, some people's reaction to this like has been she's plays a bitch. I don't think she does at all. I think she's having a very natural reaction to um, what's going on in her life. I mean, she's coming up on her 45th wedding anniversary and her husband's probably not going to make it to 50. Um, she you could tell that her character's always been the breadwinner. She was a school teacher. We know this right off the bat. So she's got that sternness to her. And if I ever lived in England, I want to live in that town. Her house is beautiful, that English countryside. I'm not a country person. I'm a city girl. That I do in a heartbeat. This is brilliant. I love this so much. And I love the fact that she like she did the Hollywood Reporter roundtable for this. So I was glad to see her there. But I'm I'm kind of glad this was a left field nomination. Good for her. Yeah, I agree. Um, I love Charlotte Rampling. Um, she's been iconic in cinema since, you know, the 60s. And um, I think she should definitely have more than just this nomination. But if this is to be her only one, I think this is a great representation of what makes her a great actress. Uh, 45 Years is a bleak film. And it doesn't start out that way. It just snowballs over time and becomes completely devastating by the end um which is all the more sad considering it ends you know at their engagement or not engagement their um anniversary party with everyone like cheering and applauding and there's music playing and dancing and she's just like standing there destroyed and that's a beautiful ending in the most heartbreaking of ways um, but Charlotte Rampling over the course of this story just slowly spirals. And it's um, so intricate the way she does it. Uh, one of my favorite moments in this film is when she goes into the attic and she's going through the slides. She has like an old school like slide projector and she's just sitting in the dark only lit by the light of the projector reflecting back on her from the screen. And she's just clicking the, the controller, the little button, um, which is such a specific sound, and I love it. And she's just going through the images and questioning her entire marriage and what it has all meant and how little she knew about her husband and what her husband has been secretly possibly yearning for basically his whole adult life uh possibly wondering all these what ifs about um if he had remained with that lady who's found in the iceberg or glacier or whatever it was and um you can kind of see everything crumble um behind her eyes but she doesn't do it in a way that shows you. Charlotte Rampling has a very powerful subtlety to her and a confidence that a lot of other performers might not have. They might, you know, be compelled to show you that chipping away of their psyche. 
But with Rampling, it's all there. You just really have to look. And um, it's crazy that this is her only nomination. But um, it's a hell of a nomination. I'll give her that. Yeah. Um, we have some questions from, well, some questions and some comments. Kristoff, first of all, says, in a just world, how many career nominations would Charlie, Charlotte Rampling have? The correct answer, by the way, according to him, is six. The, <laughs> very Kristoff of him. Uh, the, the Night Porter, Max Monamore, which he would have won for, according to him. Under the Sand, Swimming Pool, also a win, according to him. 45 years and lemming and supporting. Um, Christoph, you're missing Georgie girl. Mm. Also, I have not seen most of these, so I can't comment on that. Um, I've seen Swimming Pool. It's been a long time, but I remember liking her in that. Um, she's pretty good in The Verdict. Um, I think that would have been a good nomination. And yeah, Georgie girl, she's uh, fantastic in. Um, I don't know if it's necessarily nomination worthy, but I think she's solid in Melancholia. Um, I wonder, I know this is a completely different awards, but was she nominated for an Emmy for Dexter? Because I remember liking her on Dexter. When but, the uh, fuck was she in Dexter? She's, I think she's in the last season. She's, um, oh. a psych, psychiatrist, um, or a counselor who knew Dexter's father when he was on the fours. And she has, like, insider information of how Dexter came to be adopted or something. I think that's it. I quit Dexter after they killed Rita. Oh, spoiler alert. Sorry, guys. Um, Yeah, after the fourth season, I'm like, I'm fucking done with this show. Yeah. But yeah, she was on that show. That's when it went to shit, so. Mm -hmm. That's what I've heard. I don't know. Yeah. But bottom line, uh, 45 years should not have been the first nor the only. Correct. But but if there is if it is going to be the first and only, it is a good representation of why she is fantastic. Yep. Now our our next uh, our next question actually pulls in Jennifer Jason Lee as well from Ronaldo Ronaldo Sosa. Congratulations, Queen, by the way, for being the first winner of this season. Um, why do you think it took this long for Jennifer Jason Lee and Charlotte Rampling to get the first nominations? And do you think they're ever going to be back? I'm not sure. Um, I could see Jennifer Jason Lee getting another real juicy supporting part and getting in. I mean, of course, she could also play lead, but Jennifer Jason Lee seems to be, you know, that character actress who really gets lost in these really fun uh, side characters. So I could see her continuing that trend. Rampling, though, um, I'm not so sure. Uh, she's, you know, a little bit older, and movies don't always know what to do, unfortunately, with those older actresses. But I'm sure if given, the opportunity, um, she would knock it out of the park. Um, first of all, I think uh, Jennifer Jason Leigh had a should have come back for Annihilation. I think Annihilation just in general deserved way more love than it got. Um, did you see that film? No, I never did see Annihilation. Yeah, it's fantastic. Um, with that said, Rampling as... Mm, I mean... Again, we've been talking about she, this should not be our only one. She should have more. But am I weirdly okay that, like you've been saying, if this is it, this is the best one that we could have gotten from her? Like, not saying performance-wise, but to represent her only nomination, I'm weirdly okay if this is it. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, and it's I'm, not like those other. Me, I'm not like that normally with, with actors I love. Right. It's not like those other times when we've had an iconic actress whose only nomination doesn't make sense in terms of their career. Like you have an actress and you look at their filmography and then, you know, they were nominated for that one. It's not the case here with uh, Charlotte Rampling. This is a pretty solid one. Mm-hmm. I also forgot to bring up, I keep forgetting shit, right? I keep having to go back today. Um, to go off of Joy, uh, my comment about Diane Ladd. Do you know, by the way, and I thought about this, the year of the, this awards and how actually kind of cool it would be. Um, if Diane Ladd had gotten into supporting, that means they, the Academy would have honored three years in a row, Bruce Dern, Laura Dern, Diane Ladd. Oh, that's neat. Yeah, right? I mean, it would have been 100% been a family affair. So, that's it. <laughs> okay. Our last, uh, supp- uh, lead, sorry, our fifth and final lead actress nominee is Saoirse Ronan, nominated for Brooklyn. This is her second of two nominations. Uh, going into this, she wins with the New York Film Critics, but that's the only major win she gets. Uh, but she is recognized with the Globes, BAFTA, SAG, Critics' Choice, the Los Angeles Film Critics, and the National Society of Film Critics. In Brooklyn, Saoirse Ronan plays Ailish, an Irish woman who emigrate, an Irish woman who immigrates to 1950s Brooklyn to try for a better life. So, how do you feel about Saoirse in Brooklyn? Um, I don't like this movie. I saw this in theaters and like left. I, okay, so I saw Brooklyn after a really hard day at work. It was actually playing at AMC Westwood in 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 uh, Cleveland on Rocky River, and which is what was odd to me. What struck me is that this AM, okay, so Cleveland's AMC's for those of you who don't know, we don't have these gigantic AMC's. They're like six screen theaters. They're not very big. Um, cause it's, you know, a lot of bigger, like San Francisco, LA, New York, they have like these 16 to 20 screen theaters. Those are Cinemark and Regal theaters for us here. So AMCs don't usually get smaller independent films or like films of this caliber. So I remember like it was, it was playing at AMC and I was like, all right, I'm going to go see it. Like I, you know, it's getting Oscar buzz. I saw it, I think in October that probably, uh, I'm going to go check it out. And it actually just made my day worse. I was like, this is not good. This movie isn't very good. I, I don't have a connection to any of these characters. I'm not really sure what Sersha's doing here. Um, she just kind of feels like she's playing Sersha. I mean, I mean, I don't know her, obviously. Um, I, I just... Mm, I'm not connected to this character. I wasn't connected to Julie Walters when she was getting supporting actress buzz. I I don't know. So, this is where Brie Larson is like so, like I, I don't connect to the actress. I at least I remember her in 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 Room. I don't remember a thing Sersha does in Brooklyn, um, which I is odd to me that this is also a fan favorite for winning um i I don't get it what 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 do you think so i like it a little bit more uh brooklyn is it's a simmer of a film um it's a a slowly heating up pot um i guess you could call it uh it's a very fascinating fish out of water story um saoirse you know comes to the states and 
she's a little bit different than everyone else, and uh, she's uh, struggling to assimilate a little bit, but also uh, still sort of be herself. And um, I like this uh, relationship that she gets into with, um, I think his name's Tony, and uh, she goes to his Italian family's home, and I find that dinner scene so funny. Um, that little boy is a little firecracker, and I get a kick out of him. Uh, but Sersha, I think, is doing some really, um, really good, subtle work here. It's not exactly, a, it's not a performance that's shouting to the back of the room, but I think it's told pretty expertly, and it's directed in her favor. Um, it's, it's kind of like with Reese Witherspoon and Wilde. I feel like this story is told in a way that highlights a lot of Saoirse Ronan's strengths, but doesn't quite put them on a pedestal in the way that Wilde does for Reese. Here it's much more understated and um, natural for Saoirse. And uh, I think it's a pretty good outing for her. It's one that I think improves upon repeat viewings. This is one that if I remember correctly, when I watched it back when it came out, I thought it was kind of boring and it didn't really stick for me but um it makes more sense to me now it means something a little bit different to me now and um i think it's a really strong uh turn for Saoirse Ronan although it might not appear as such on first glance mm. i don't know i'm i'm kind of like owing to with Saoirse right now because atonement and now this mm, i don't know yeah um i really dig the that segment of the film where she's sort of torn between countries and um she goes back to ireland and uh has to sort of make a case for herself and um really figure out what she wants in order to be happy and that might mean sacrificing her connection to her family and um, the country um, that is her homeland. So I think there's a lot of internal struggle and turmoil going on with this character um, that you really sort of have to be paying attention closely to really pick up on it. Uh, but I think it is a solid uh, little performance from Saoirse Ronan. This, I, I will say this, Brooklyn had no business being in Best Picture. Mm. <laughs> I love you. Um, anything else before we get to questions? I don't think so. All right. Um, Zandy Yu, uh, also known as, known as Sarcastic Alien, who do you think was second place to Larson, Ronan or Blanchette? Um, I would say neither. I would say it's actually Rampling. Number one, the narrative of... People love to throw that it's about time bullshit around. Um, but I think that played into it. Plus to the randomness of the nominee. Again, those random nominees, they're always second or third. There's no way they're that far off. So I would say Rampling. I still lean toward Blanchette. I'm sure Rampling had um, her followers. Uh, she had her voting block. But I would imagine it was probably Blanchette. Uh, and to that I say, hmm, <laughs> throw it right back at you. Um, Jay Nomo Jay Nomo's kid, 
guys with these ads. Jada Moosekin, who's the real best actress and why is it Saoirse Ronan? And to that I say, who said that? That's the question? It, he just, it was a comment. Oh. Who's the real best actress and why is it Saoirse Ronan? And to what I would say is, who said that? Okay. Eggs Acid wants to know how close do you think Charlize Theron was getting a nominee or a nomination for Fury Road? Um, I mean, she was in the conversation from what I recall. Um, if she had been nominated, I think that would have been cool as hell. Uh, considering the nature of that story and the type of character she was playing, I personally would have welcomed such a nomination. Um, how close was she? I would have to imagine she was on the cusp considering, you know, how many nominations that film got everywhere else. And um, she seemed to always pop up um, in the, the, the lists and the rankings and all that. I agree with you, but I also disagree with you. Because while uh, Mad Max showed up everywhere, she didn't really show up acting-wise anywhere except for action actress at the Critics' Choice. So I think this was more of a fans wet dream kind of like Glenn Close and Fatal Attraction type win. Um, I don't think it was ever close to actually happening. Um, it was just, I trust me, I would have welcomed it. I, I think Mad Max is brilliant. It's one of my favorite movies of this last decade, but uh, I honestly don't think she stood a fucking chance at a nomination. I wouldn't even say, us. I would say it came up as discussion, but that's about it. Well, precursors aren't necessarily a science. So oh, I think I mean, look at Charlotte Rampling. Yeah. So I think it's still conceivable that she could have popped up here. Yeah. Well, we'll never know. All right, let's get to our rankings. Again, as a recap, your uh, nominees and supporting actress were Rachel McAdams in Spotlight, Alicia Vikander in, in The Danish Girl, Jennifer Jason Lee in The Hateful Eight, Kate Winslet in Steve Jobs, and Rooney Mara in Carol. Um, starting off with five, uh, we got to get through a couple of category frogs. Um, with that said, Alicia Vikander at five. Um, while it's not a bad performance, it's just in this lineup, she would be fifth if she was actually supporting, I think. So, um, yeah, number five. Vikander is also my number five. Um, yes, uh, placement uh, is a serious question mark right here. And of the uh Category frauds, it's the one that I care for the least. So uh, Alicia Vikander is my number five for the Danish girl. And with that said, the better of the two category fraud ladies uh, are Rooney Mara. She's at four. I mean, we've, we've already spoken so much great things about her. Um, but unfortunately, due to category fraud, she's got to go to four. Yeah, Rooney Mara, number four for Carol for pretty much the same reasons. Here we go to the supporting ladies. Uh, number three is Kate Winslet. Um, it's fine. It's nothing to write home about. And despite your great um, explanation of why the accents uh, could be a thing, it just sticks out as too much like a sore thumb to me and it's too uneven. Um, so I got to put her at three. Jennifer Jason Lee is my number three for The Hateful Eight. Uh, she is a ball of fire in this movie. Um, but uh, on a personal taste note, it's not my type of thing. So I love Jennifer Jason Lee, but she's only my number three for The Hateful Eight. Well, let's see if you were right with me. Um, my runner-up is Rachel McAdams, which means I'm giving Jennifer Jason Lee the win. 
Um, while McAdams probably, let's say everyone was actually supporting in this category, probably on Oscar night, she would have been number five um, because I truly just couldn't grasp what she was doing here to get the nomination. Um, but I appreciate it a lot more. Um, now, she's great. However, Jennifer Jason Lee on Oscar night was my winner. I would have loved to see her win. Um, she's the best thing about The Hateful Eight. It's such a deliciously evil character that I love her. Um, and I just think out of the actual, out of what we're doing here, she just, mwah, beautiful. Um, despite my love for Rooney Mara, um, yeah, I would have loved to see Jennifer Jason Lee win, but a Rooney Mara upset wouldn't have made me mad, even though it is definitely the wrong category. So yeah, Jennifer Jason Lee. Um, Rachel McAdams is my runner up for Spotlight. I think this is a surprise of a nomination and in a good way. I think she is doing some fine work here. Um, she is matching the film that she's in, and there seems to be very little ego uh, surrounding her performance, and I really dig that. She seems very uh, sincere in her portrayal. But uh, Kate Winslet is just doing a little bit more for me in Steve Jobs. Um, I think she is really showing us everything she's capable of doing here in this movie, and... Um, I dig it quite a bit. So uh, Kate Winslet's my winner for Steve Jobs. Ooh, I got you right on there. Mm-hmm. All right. So as a reminder, your leading actress nominations were Brie Larson in Room, Kate Blanchett in Carol, Jennifer Lawrence in Joy, Charlotte Rampling in 45 Years, and Saoirse Ronan in Brooklyn. I'm putting Jennifer Lawrence at number five for Joy. Um, She's fine, but um, it really doesn't give me any reason to root for this nomination. So um, Jennifer Lawrence is uh, my number five for Joy. Number five, Saoirse Ronan. I just can't remember what she's doing here. And even if I try to remember, it's not impressive. Um, yeah, number five. Brie Larson is my number four for Room. This is a very intense performance and also pretty complex as the movie develops and um, circumstances change for this character. But um, I'm just more intrigued by the top three that I have. So uh, Brie Larson is my number four for Room. Brie Larson is also my number four for Room. Um, at least, unlike Sersha, I can remember her, even if I don't like it still. Um, so yeah, Larson at four. Sersha Ronan is my number three for Brooklyn. Um, I think this is a great little uh, performance from Saoirse Ronan. Uh, she's doing quite a bit here in a way that doesn't necessarily draw attention to itself. But the top two that I have remaining are truly on another level. So unfortunately, uh, Saoirse Ronan can only crack number three for Brooklyn. Jennifer Lawrence better thank her stars that Ronan and Larson were here because there is really no reason to have her even this high at three. But I got to put her somewhere. Um, she's fine. I mean, this is not great. Um, I still would probably hold that Winter's Bone is her best of her four nominations by far. Um, but now that I'm thinking of it, have either of us put Lawrence higher than three? No, I think she's been my four or five every time. Yeah, this is probably the same. I think this is the highest I've had her. Yeah. I think she's great in Winter's Bone as well, but she was in a hell of a lineup in 2010. Yeah, I think I had her at number four. Yeah, because I, I put her just above Natalie Portman that year. Yeah. Huh, look at that. 
We have the same top two, though, so. Right. Um, my number two is Kate Blanchett and Carol. Uh, this is a fabulous performance and a fabulous film. And in any other year, I could see her being my winner. I could see this being an actual Academy Award winning performance. Um, but Charlotte Rampling in 45 years is really just giving me everything. It's not just my adoration for Charlotte Rampling and my desire for her to have more recognition. This is really a master class in acting that she's giving us here. The very slow deterioration of this character as her obsession um, and her resentment uh, takes over her life is truly stunning to watch on screen. So um, Charlotte Rampling is my winner for 45 years. My runner up is also Kate Blanchett, um, which means we agree and on uh, Charlotte Rampling here. Uh, Kate is beautiful. I also don't think that it helped that she had just won for Blue Jasmine. Um, I think if she hadn't, she would have been more serious to possibly win this, um, which is unfortunate because this is by far her best nomination, in my opinion. Um, Rampling is leagues above everybody in this lineup, both supporting and lead. Um, and I urge anyone, like I said, to go back and rewatch when they rewatch 45 Years. Everything she's doing is from a wide angle, which is not easy to do. Um, justice for Charlotte Rampling and Justice for Rooney Mara in the correct category. Mm-hmm. Um, but look at I got I, I hit that one spot on. Yeah. Go you. Yay, two claps for me. Thank you for my claps, Brandon. Um, okay, so again, Charlotte Rampling and Jennifer Jason Lee for me. And uh, Charlotte Rampling and Kate Winslet for me. We're halfway through the season. Indeed. All right, folks. Well, on oh, really quick, too. Um, if you don't follow us on Twitter, I think this would be fun to start adding to the shows. Uh, side note. Okay. If you don't follow us on, on any social media, well, we only really have one Twitter group, but uh, follow us on Twitter at Academy underscore Queens, uh, where you can get all of our shenanigans, where we tweet way too much and just have some fun. Also, too, if you love us, we got amazing bonus content on Patreon for mere $6 a month. It gives you exclusive, exclusive voting rights on what you want to hear, the episodes we do, date early access on our shows, and you get... Um, free membership to our monthly film club where we get together on zoom with all of our listeners and talk about movies patreon.com slash academy queens come join us it's a blast yes so all right on the count of three we're gonna give a big old goodbye ready one two three big old goodbye goodbye.